Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host. Very happy to be here on a very important topic today. We're now the last day of November 2020. I don't know if you're like us, but we can't wait for this year to be over. And we have an important topic that's timely for automotive suppliers. How appropriate for Automotive Insiders. The title of this segment will be The Cash Crisis for Suppliers. This is probably, as soon as I said it, probably resonating with those of you around the world who are watching this podcast. Podcast. So I'm here with two experts on the topic. We are recording on Zoom. I get to see them in, in addition to just hearing them, and you will get to hear them. So let me just tell you who my specialists are today. We have Bill Newman. Bill is back. He's always here, and we're so happy to have Bill again. And we have a newcomer to Automotive Insiders. His name is Leonard Maganza. So let's do the honors to Leonard first. Leonard, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company, where you work now. I know it has a very famous former name that people will recognize more. And Leonard, a little bit about how you got into automotive. So welcome, Leonard Maganza. Go ahead. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for that welcome, first of all. Uh, secondly, I work for Synity. Uh, many people uh, who, who are hearing this will know us formally as back office associates. And we are exclusively in the data business, right? Uh, we think it's actually the DNA of any business. And where that intersects in my world with um, both automotive and M&A. So I started in college, literally working for my dad, uh, who owned a truck repair shop for 37 years. I had some grease under my fingernails at the time. And I know that's just outside the automotive industry. But when I did graduate college, I actually worked for an accounting firm. And we started off calculating dealer statistics to see which ones were profitable uh, and why. Uh, and then if I run that to today where I'm in this data business, uh, we do large scale um, technology improvements and integrations and mergers and acquisitions for the auto industry. So starting with uh, OEM manufacturers uh, to tier one suppliers to tier three suppliers, some steel companies, all the way back to some mining companies. I know, again, that's outside the industry on the other side, but you kind of get a flavor, uh, but hyper aware of the pain points. Uh, and, and anyone who's in the data business has heard me say this before. Uh, if you're in the data business, you're also in the merger acquisition and divestiture business. It's actually 30% of our business, including uh, five of the current 30 uh, Dow stocks, if you would, just to show you the, the depth and breadth of it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm always intrigued with people's backstories, Leonard, on how they got involved in automotive or when was your first car? or When did you first climb under a car in a garage or a parking lot somewhere? And that brings me to Bill Newman. Bill, I have to say it. I, I don't know if there's anybody in the listening audience who doesn't know who you are, but let's just pretend there's one person and I want you to talk to them and you don't have to tell them shame on you for not remembering Bill Newman. And we'll tell you why later, why he's memorable to me all these years as well. It has to do with a holiday drink. There's a, a, a hint there, Bill, what we're going to talk about later. Uh, Bill, just talk to that one person, refresh their memory. And what industry brought you into automotive? That's a fascinating story as well. Welcome, Bill. Nice to see you. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie, and uh, hello, Automotive Insider listeners. It's uh, almost the end of this uh, pretty incredible year. We're 
we're very excited to welcome 2021. Um, and we've hopefully learned a few things about ourselves and our companies in the meantime. So uh, for listeners who haven't met me yet, I'm Bill Newman. I'm a Chief Industry Executive Advisor at SAP um, with my colleague, Tom Madonna, who shares many of these podcasts. Uh, we are responsible for North America uh, go-to-market in the automotive industry. I've got uh, almost 35 years of experience in uh, discrete manufacturing, planes, trains, automobiles, and I was originally an airplane guy. So um, got my start uh, out of UCLA uh, School of Aerospace Engineering and uh, uh, was uh, my second car for a number of years was the B2 uh, Spirit Stealth Bomber. So uh, those were back in the days when uh, when anybody asked you uh, what you made, since it was a black stealth project, you say, I make a paycheck every week and you run away. <laughs> and don't ask any more questions. So um, so uh, Love and Business brought me back to uh, to Michigan, and I've been in the auto industry for over 20 years now. And formerly with Volkswagen. So uh, again, good to be with all of you today. And again, welcome, Leonard. Thank you, Bill. And yes, welcome to Leonard. So let's get started with our topics. You each sent me three topics and there's some dovetailing in there. I'm going to start with Bill's topic first for the first part of this segment. I'm going to read a little bit what you sent me, Bill, and then have you expand it. Take a couple minutes. You know how it goes on most of my radio shows. Not a, not a big speech, but give us your insights. Your point of view is what we're really looking for and your expertise. And then I'm going to ask Leonard to respond and add his own thought leadership. So here's what Bill told me before the show. He said, as automotive suppliers emerge from the pandemic recession, and Bill put pandemic recession with a capital P and a capital R, so it's a thing, pandemic recession and drive to growth targets, liquidity overruns, and that's a key here, will force an uptick in supplier distress now and into 2021, according to the OESA supplier barometer studies. This has created an uptick in downstream supplier tie-ups and increase in private equity on other ownership transactions. Bill, that's a mouthful in there. Can you, I'm going to say what we say on the news shows. Can you just unpack this for us, please? And then we'll get Leonard's point of view. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, for sure. And uh, again, you know, 2020 has been one of those years. So yeah, little history lesson, you, you date stamped us earlier in the conversation, Bonnie. So we're sitting here November 30th. Uh, it's been quite a year. You know, the industry was shut down for the most part, up to about 85% was shut down uh, for about eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks uh, back in uh, the March to uh, early May timeframe. So during this time, um, you know, a lot of companies still kept running uh, because, you know, they, they were in places that didn't shut down or they were part of the essential supply chain, mostly for agriculture and off-road products and still making parts. Um, not a lot of people were buying cars because we were all in lockdown and that had a major liquidity impact to a lot of our suppliers, um, not just in the top 50, but in the downstream. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, you know, when you're a supplier and, and you're, let's just say the classic family held business, you know, in the tier two, tier three level, or maybe your private equity doesn't really matter. You know, you're, you're generally working with either an upstream supplier or directly to a vehicle maker that, you know, on not 30 day, net 30 day terms, but generally net 60, if you're lucky, uh, but generally, it's net 90 and net 120 days. So, um, you know, 
you've had to cover some expenses and maybe you're not a big player and you can't go to your you know normal lines of credit and or you have and they're just not enough to keep everybody online and you you got the payroll protection program here in the United States and in other similar programs in Canada and you're done right there's no more additional funding coming in so um, OESA publishes their um, their quarterly uh, supplier barometer study, and in one of the recent studies, they they claim that up to ten percent of the supply chain could be in some form of uh, thirty to ninety day cash distress before the end of this calendar year. And just wrap your head around that for a moment. You know, there are roughly eighty to one hundred thousand automotive suppliers globally. You know, a lot of them are small companies. Um, when you start talking about thousands of suppliers, that's that's a pretty heady number. Um, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later today in our conversation, but we're already seeing these companies, and they're not bad companies, right? They have the contracts; they're just not in a place to have a wide enough cash envelope to keep things moving. Um, so, you know, you've got your top ten critical suppliers, your bottom ten troubled suppliers, and you know your you've got different suppliers kind of moving around. So there will be some forced marriages. There will be some uh, new ownership changes that weren't planned uh, for the year. Um, and that's just kind of uh, what we're seeing. And we're preparing for that in a number of ways that we'll go into today. Thank you very much. Leonard, I'm summoning you. Please hey. join us. I know you have a lot to say. So Leonard hey, McGanza. Hey, thanks, hey Bill, ahead. thanks for that introduction to that topic. Hey, look, the automotive industry, especially in the supplier space, has been somewhat commoditized. And another way to say that is extremely competitive. So if you're in that industry, you always had to run a good business, right? You couldn't just take and rest on your laurels from a good product and really fat margins. And now all your planning assumptions, whether you were doing demand planning or supply planning, you know, they got thrown out the window. The pandemic was one driver. And now I think geopolitics will add another driver. Right. So, Bonnie, I, I prompted you. You asked me for a prompt. And I said, if ever there's a lull in the conversation, just say the word business outcomes. Right. Because the idea is, as these companies look internally and say, what do we do? You better quickly do the math and say, whatever I'm going to uh, tackle in terms of process and relationships and and debt management, uh, it better have uh, a positive business outcome. Right. And you know, we think data is the DNA of your business. I think a lot of the things that Bill has discussed, you can attack from a data approach, right? Uh, we meet a lot of suppliers. He talks about payment terms where, you know, someone's saying, hey, we'll you know, change this payment term. The contract says one thing and reality says another thing. And, and we think if you kind of look at this holistically, you can make payment term negotiations and saying, oh, wait, we can't just throw the contract out the window. We know there needs to be a little forgiveness, but, you know, let's tackle that. The other thing is these are high velocity businesses. So sometimes... Uh, the hygiene and the housekeeping on the business processes, they can lag behind. Uh, and you can have things like, you know, your own vendor duplicates, right? You're a supplier, but you have suppliers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, sim simple duplicates can undermine the company's business, undermine the, the business's ability to get volume discounts. And, these, and we've seen extreme numbers in this case. Uh, so a good reason to uh, improve your business process hygiene but again, when you do this, we highly recommend that you do it in a way that's going to have the biggest impact, right? Don't go clean stuff for the sake of cleaning it. Don't go optimizing it for the sake of optimizing it. Really say, how is it going to help my liquidity scenario, uh, including whether or not you're going to need some help uh, with a partner? Thank you very much. 
Interesting topic. Bill, you started this one. Anything you'd like to say back to Leonard? Any comments back? No, I, I you know, again, this is, you know, I, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but, you know, I think that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And Leonard's exactly right. You know, the data, there, there are plenty of examples where we go into these situations, either we don't know our own data, right? So we're operate under um, false false uh, circumstances or awareness, or when we go actually into a transaction, we really have no idea what we're looking at because uh, the due diligence phase of, a, of, a, of an acquisition is generally, you know, it's deep, but it's brief, um, generally. And so, you know, unless there's some regulatory arms that force a deeper look, you're on a clock. And, you know, again, our leaders, leaders responsible for these mergers, they're 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 working with the best information that they have, but generally it is not the most accurate or timely information that they need, and that's and that's really an important part, and that's why it's so important to get back to the data, kind of the lifeblood of, you know, your own company or a company that you're going to acquire. Thank you. Good first part of the conversation. Let's move on. Leonard, you're up next. Let me read a little bit. This is a, a nice meaty paragraph I call. Let me read a little oh. bit and then have you expand it for us. You say the new normal is not new. Well, th- that's an interesting. I don't call it the new normal or the new abnormal. I call it the new reality, Leonard. That's that's my phrase. The new normal is not new, just amplified. Companies in the competitive autos industry supply chain have always had to be a well-run business, but today Every area of the business from purchasing to manufacturing to selling has to be further optimized. I'm just going to start there. This is yep. great. Leonard, take it over, please. Yep. So I'd actually like to piggyback on some comments that Bill said when, when we were talking about we were talking about this in advance. Uh, a lot of it is, is about visibility, right? Uh, you can only make uh, good decisions, right, if you have good information, right, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, in the merger and acquisition space. Uh, I've been doing this for 18 years, just in the data space, in M&A space, in the automobile industry. And for a long time, uh, the only way we helped people was at the integration phase, right? Uh, are they going to run in parallel and we just merge them at the, for the legal reporting? Are they going to run in parallel systems and we merge them at the operational reporting layer? Are we going to merge the mm-hmm. transactional systems? And all that's still true. And you really have to do that well. You have to execute well, right? Um, especially in this industry. But increasingly, people are asking us to get involved in the preparation phase. What is the synergies, right? What is my supply chain resiliency? I mean, today, you can't just look at the cost. You have to look at what part of the region are they in? Uh, are they suffering more from pandemic impacts than other, you know, other suppliers? Uh, are they suffering more from geopolitics and tariffs than other suppliers? I mean, all these things come into play. Uh, so whether you're just looking at your own supply chain or you're looking out to partner up, whether it's uh, you know some sort of joint venture, whether it's uh, an acquisition or, or any of those things. Everyone wants a special purpose vehicle today. You know, I get that, but uh, you don't just do it because it sounds cool. Uh, it actually has to have a positive business impact. So that's the idea. Thank you, Bill Newman. Love to have you join us. POV thoughts. Well, I think Leonard raises a, you raise a very important question. I mean, how how active are we in terms of you know preparing for you know potential tie up? And I'll I'll even say you know maybe even a reorganization, right? In terms of uh, you know like a consolidation. So we're we're currently active together in a situation where we've got a large automaker consolidating operations, and you know when we get to these situations. 
folks don't always know what their cost of business is. And so again, that's really important to understand because no matter what you're, you're going to do, whether you're going to consolidate operations, whether you're going to take on new operations, figuring out where those you know synergies are, are really important. Um, unfortunately, you know, and, and we hope to change this, you know, SAP is a technology pr- uh, provider. We have a lot of, of visibility into systems that companies are using. Um, not always do our customers know off the top of their hand what, what software they own. Um, and we provide you know, a little bit of archaeology around that ahead of time. Um, the challenge that we get into is if we're, if we're not invited to the party uh, prior to the due diligence window closing, uh, we generally have a situation where the accounting firm goes into a quiet period and you know, we can't help. Um, so that's why it's really important not only to have you know, a good visibility in terms of the, of the system landscape uh, that you're looking at so you can do your, your cost uh, assessments accurately, but also in terms of, you know, essentially your, your cost of business. And that's the point I think, Leonard, you were making earlier. And um, it's just uh, super important. We're, we're so apt to make, again, to your point, Leonard, uh, in a velocity business, certain, you know, activity-based costing assumptions. And you could have been making those assumptions for many, many years. And, you know, you're, you're not making money, so you don't need that level of accuracy because you know your profit is still showing but we're in different times now and uh being able to take on again in a situation particularly where two two organizations are being rapidly pulled together because they're a mutual customer is demanding it um based on what you know some of the things we're hearing from oesa and other industry sources i think is really going to shape a new game moving forward in terms of how companies um, come together and uh, package up new operations moving forward. That's right. Thank you, Bill. Leonard, anything you want to say back? Yeah, I will. Look, Bill's alluded to it. I'm just going to be, you know, say it a little bit hotter, right? If, if we were on a real estate call instead of an automotive call, we might say, you know, location, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And on the automotive call, I'm going to say execute, 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 right? So he talked about the ability to, you know, have transparency. I talked about all the ways companies, you know, supplier companies, you know, might go through a merge that says, hey, look, they can operate in parallel. Uh, they can they can merge operational reports. They can, you know, merge transactional systems. This is dependent on planning. So, right, get the right partners in there early to help you do the planning. Uh, and this is uh, dependent on good technology and the right technology, right? Uh, you know, essential finance versus an ECC versus a BPC, right? You know, the list is long, but it's the right, it's not, I always like to say it's not best practice, it's best fit, right? So you really need to look under the covers and figure out what that is. I like that, best fit. That's, uh, I, should say, I should say under the hood, excuse me, in this, in this call. But yeah. <laughs> a little, little bit different. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to topic number three. Bill, we'll have you kick this one off. You say in your notes to me, once the transaction in a cash-restricted M&A is completed, there is a carrying period for new operations. Generally, the systems in place do not tell the full story. That's a great lead into a mystery novel, Bill. I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about the plot. Go ahead, Bill. Well, you know, we've, we, we often see this. And, uh, you know, we've, we've worked with a number of companies that have, have prior to the pandemic, immediately prior to or going into the pandemic, have, have announced a, a tie-up of 
of, of supplier operations. You know, in one case, we had a supplier that was reacquiring a piece of a company they previously owned. And since they, you know, kind of had this open kimono relationship, they knew what they were getting into and good for them. They made money on both the sell and the rebuy of the operations, but that's generally not how it works out. You know, we've also worked with um, a company that uh, that that bought a new segment of the business, right? You know, something in the battery electric space, and didn't you know went through the due diligence and didn't really understand what they had bought to a full uh, transactional model until, as Leonard you said earlier, you know they they did some parallel but but book alignment and realized that there was a, a piece of the business that that they were actually losing money on, and it was you know at a level two, so they didn't no idea. You know, and they carried that part of the business for a good 12 to 18 months before they sold it. And you could argue, wow, that's, you know, particularly as a publicly traded company, you know, that's probably not the best way to manage your business. You know, it's better to go in, have very eyes wide open, even if you can't go to the level one, level two depth of your operations, you know, your cost of business, and learn that as quickly as possible before actually pulling, you know, systems together and, you know, whether, whether you're going to take advantage of cloud technologies or in, in, in some more agile landscape approaches, or whether you're going to go, you know, big eighties and do a big, you know, overlay of a template on top of the, the NUCO, um, from the parent, you know, they're, they're just, you need to get to that answer so much quicker these days. And I don't believe moving forward for suppliers, for, for parent or, or, or acquiring suppliers, I don't think it's going to be acceptable to either management or to their shareholders to, to wait that long before you have answers. I just don't see it in this, again, high velocity, um, high demand, high accuracy business environment we, we live in. And so, you know, I do think that um, IT leaders um, should tread carefully in, in that regard, and they should have a very clear plan to understand before you embark on a large, you know, system rationalization program between you and the you know, the parent co and the child co, to actually figure out some some deeper uh, metrics in terms of your operations before you move forward. I just again, I just think our new our new reality, as you like to call it, Bonnie, I, mm-hmm. I, your next reality, I think it demands it. And there are some changes that we have all experienced in terms of expectations that that won't go away. They'll be with us moving forward. And this is one of them. Thank you, Bill. Leonard, love to get your thoughts on this. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to deep dive where Bill took us, right, which is when M&A is the solution, right? And you, 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 uh, you know, we all divide up the worlds into buyers and sellers, right? And then we say, whether you're a buyer or a seller, there are three phases to this life cycle, right? The preparation phase, which we're advocating you do early, right? The separation or integration phase, depending on whether you're a buyer or a seller, but please don't stop there. The last phase is probably the most critical, which is the realization phase. And time may only allow you to say, we have to run in parallel for a short while, right? But you know, plan right? On what's beyond that? How do we do the operational reporting to see what our costs are? And, you know, if the net result of this merger, let's say, or acquisition was just increased inventory, someone's going to be in trouble and have regrets, right? So you really have to think through uh, what the impacts are and say, am I getting realization? And then ultimately, after you look at it on the financial level and, and, and top line, you maybe you're buying market share, right? Uh, and then the next level down, you know, am I, am I optimizing my operations 
right? Uh, you want to drill that further down, right? And say, okay, I know what my revenue and my costs are, you know, by customer and supplier. Uh, but now am I getting the economies of scale as the analysts would call it, right? Uh, some of the, the business analysts will tell you that if you don't do the integration within 18 months, you'll never achieve the economy scale or hear ROI that, that you intended to get. So that's really, that's really the challenge. Uh, so don't end at planning, don't end even at separation or integration, but really drive through the business outcome or the realization phase. Yeah, and Leonard, I'll challenge our listeners. I think 18 months is way too long now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, I think you need you need preliminary numbers within a year because really be, it, it, also just simply because of some of the tax write-offs that you can do according to the deal, um, you want to fold those, those, those losses if you're experiencing them into your transactional costs. You do not want those to be elongated into uh, downstream fiscal year operations reporting. And, and unfortunately, we see that. And again, I, I think we're just in a time now where the, the, the next reality will, will demand a different way of doing business. So this, buyer, be, buyer and sellers beware. Thank you both. Interesting conversation. Uh, closing remarks. We'll give it to our newcomer, Leonard. Any any closing remarks? Any wishes? We're approaching. We're in the holiday season. We're in the thick of it. We just had Turkey Day here in the U.S. I know Canada celebrated theirs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in my community, Christmas lights are up already, and I saw a Christmas tree farm on my way home from my drum lesson the other day. And we're we're approaching the end of an incredibly difficult year. So any any either words of warning, uh, advice, wish to the automotive suppliers from your point of view? Leonard? Yeah, two things. First of all, Bill was right. Uh, my, my, my statistics were probably a year old, which in this world is too old, right? Uh, speed matters, right? So you, know, you got to put the pedal down. Uh, and and you know, there, is, there is hope on the finish line. There is you know, being a better run business uh, in today's complicated supply chains. So uh, you can be bullish, right? Uh, you just have to you know, you know, uh, run a good business, right? Okay, and that's a, a paraphrased quote from Tom Cruise's character in Top Gun. <laughs> I feel the need, the need for speed. There we go. Bill Newman, closing words from you, please. Oh, it's a great movie. Thanks Thanks for bringing it back around to the airplane. <laughs> the <laughs> the airplane go. space. That was awesome. Just for you, Bill. Just for yep. you. <laughs> yep. No, no I, I wish everybody well. I mean, you know, it's been an incredible year. You know, we've all learned a lot about, you know, our, our work and, and ourselves personally. And so I think we should all, you know, take that and, you know, build build back best, like what we try to say at SAP. Um, you know, for listeners on the topic, you know, uh, things are going to happen. They're going to happen, you know, relatively quickly in some cases in terms of uh, new ownership models. You know, be receptive to the change if you're, uh, you know, if you're working. You know, uh, this is not going to be because companies are, are non-performing. It's going to simply be because you're growing, you're, you're growing back and you need more capital to, to go to the next level. And I think everybody understands that that's significantly different than what we saw in 2008 and 2009. As far as the holidays, you know, I wish everybody good holiday greetings. Bonnie and I know uh, each other well. We're big fans of Irish cream. Uh, we do a homemade Irish cream recipe in my family. So it'll be back out again on LinkedIn and social media. It always comes back around. Uh, I'll, I'll be preemptive in my strike with the recipe because uh, I know <laughs> listeners often will ask for it. So I just wish everybody the best and uh, look forward to what 2021 can bring us. 
Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Lynn. Let's do a shout out to Adam Slayman, who isn't with us today. He's traveling back from Thanksgiving holidays. Adam is one of the sponsors and organizers of this Automotive Insiders series, as well as to April Buford, and as well as to Julie Freem, the CEO of OESA. I'm just going to say thank you also to our engineer, Matt Widener at Voice America for getting us up and running today. Thank you, Matt, and happy holidays to you. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another episode of Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and stay sane. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.